also preach in monthly themes, and so it seems appropriate in the month of November to speak on gratitude. It's what we think of usually as a nation during this month. So that is what we are looking at this morning. And gratitude is not an unfamiliar topic to our society. It's not one that is uh, only that the relig religious people focus on. Even the non-religious world recognizes the importance and the benefit that gratitude has uh, on a person's life and the, the health benefits on their body and, and for their mind. And if you look at any store, usually the bookstore or journals, you'll see countless books or journals on this topic of gratitude. And so it's a topic that you can reap the spiritual benefits of it even if you are not a Christian. And I call it a spiritual principle because we see it in the Bible. We see it all throughout Scripture. We even, if we just look at the Old Testament, you will find if you look at for the word great, uh, you know, gratitude, thankfulness, thanking God, that is used or said over 200 times in the Old Testament. So it is, it is a principle that is important to the heart of God that his people would practice this discipline of gratitude and have an outlook of gratitude. And so we're going to look at just three verses from the New Testament this morning. It's from 1 Thessalonians. And I encourage you in your small group or just in your own personal time to read the whole chapter 5. It's the end of this particular book and, and the writer is giving some final instructions to that, that house church there. But we're just going to look at these three verses today. Always be joyful, always keep on praying, no matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Three simple, short sentences, but the implications are pretty massive. This word always, that's repeated. And what a statement to say that this is God's will for your life. Many of us can be searching at times, what's God's will? What's God's will? Well, here's one of the things. It's his will that we have an, an attitude and a heart of thankfulness and joy and gratitude. So let's look at this this morning. Verse 16, always be joyful. Always. Always? Question mark. You know, maybe reading this verse here could, could possibly even maybe bring up some feelings of frustration, or maybe you read this and it kind of makes you mad, because it's like, you know what, if you look at the context of our world, some of the difficult things that happen, the tragedies that happen, the sin that affects everyone around them, that, that brings so much destruction, and we're instructed to always be joyful. I mean, if you, if you think of it in those terms, even thinking about the, the New Testament writers, what they were going through, uh, what the apostles were going through, that they were not writing from a vacation. They weren't writing from a cruise and just like, yeah, always be joyful. They were going through heavy persecution. They were going through great difficulty. So for them, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to pen these words, it, it definitely gives us something to think about. And I think what is helpful is for us to, to make two, some distinctions here about what joy is, what biblical joy is. And so the first one is that it, this is not a directive to pretend to be happy all the time. So there's a difference between the feeling and the emotion of happiness and what the Bible calls joy. Joy is a continual gladness of the heart that comes from knowing and experiencing God. So this concept of joy is rooted in the truth 
that we are in a relationship with God. He has saved us, he has redeemed us, and we are forever his. That is what joy is rooted in. It's not a feeling of happiness. It doesn't mean I have to be fake. I gotta just put on my fake smile at church because we're supposed to be joyful, so I'm not gonna act like I'm hurting or things are, no, no, no. It's not about being fake, it's not about faking happiness. We know all throughout the scriptures, it, it, it talks about the difficulty that we'll go through, the trials of this life, that we're to confess our sins to one another. So it's not about a fakeness, it's not about pretending. Joy is, is rooted and comes from delighting in our faith, from delighting in grace. So that's one distinction. Joy is not the same thing as this feeling of happiness. And secondly, what, what I find helpful when thinking about this uh, principle of joy is that it's not the same thing as being optimistic. Now, I think optimism is a very good thing. I think it's a healthy way to live. If you have the choice of being an optimist or pessimist, optimism's the way to go. Uh, it's a good thing. But I just want to kind of make this like distinction here that optimism is not the same as the biblical concept of joy. And it, it um, you know, this idea of optimism is that you're looking for the silver lining. And as I, we have young children, and so we're in this season, many years of discipling our children and trying to teach them uh, just things about life and concepts about God. And so it really makes you think when you're trying to train your kids in these moments. And I realized the other day that I'm like, oh, I think that I'm often teaching them to look for silver linings. I'm teaching them to be optimistic, which is healthy. But I'm like, man, there's times I need to stop and actually teach them what joy is. And so, sure, we may go to the beach one day and it rains and storms. We have to turn around and go back home. You know, optimism or looking for that silver lining would be saying, you know what? I know we're disappointed, but we live in Florida, so the good thing is we can come back next weekend. You know, that, that's looking optimistically through life. That's good. But that is still different than us teaching. Sometimes we just have to stop and say, you know what? We are to have joy, joy that comes from knowing God. And so that is something that can never be taken from us. Even if a situation is unfortunate, is disappointing, we have joy. So joy does not come from having more, winning, or silver linings. It is to rejoice because of grace. And on that basis, we are able to read those words that say, always be joyful. And I can understand that. It's not saying always feel happy, always be positive Polly, saying, you know what, always remember that your uh, peace and you are rooted in the truth that we rejoice in the grace we have received. And no matter what I go through, I can hold on to that grace Charles Spurgeon, let's see what he says. He was a Christian thinker, a great writer. Uh, he says this, Believers are not dependent upon circumstances. Their joy comes not from what they have, but from what they are. Not from where they are, but from whose they are. Not from what they enjoy, but from that which was suffered for them by their Lord. That is what joy is rooted in. It comes from delighting in my faith. I've received the free gift of salvation. I can commune with God. I have the hope of eternity. I am never alone. Thank you, God, that we have joy. Let's keep moving. Verse 17. Verse 17 said, Always keep praying 
There's that word again, always. So there's many things when we read this sentence, there's quite a few things we can ascertain about prayer from this, from this sentence. So just a couple things we can know to be true about prayer from that is it means it doesn't have to be out loud. If we're instructed to always keep praying, then, then more than likely there's gonna be a big portion of that that is just in, in my mind an awareness that I am with God and that God is with me and that I'm communing with him. It does not have to be out loud. I think it's very good to pray out loud. I think it's valuable to pray out loud with your spouse, with your children, in a community. I hope you come out at five and, and join us to, as we pray together. But just so you know, it does not have to be out loud. There are many times we are to be talking to God through the day, just in, in our mind, in our spirit, knowing that I am communicating with God. He is with me. It means it can be any posture, any location, at any time of the day. Prayer is never off limits. If we are instructed to always be praying, then it means I take this posture and this attitude that I am communicating with him. I'm with him. And, and honestly, it really relieves kind of a weight off my shoulders, I think, to kind of view prayer in this continual thing because if all this pressure is getting the right time of day, the right moment where there's no distractions, where I can get alone and I can get on my knees, you know, when would I ever pray? If you have small children, if you're a nurse working 12-hour shifts at the hospital, I mean, life is busy. And so if we have this mindset of like, well, I've got to have this special moment versus no, I am with God, you are with me and I'm thinking about you. And, and before I enter this patient's room, I'm just acknowledging you right now in this moment. I'm acknowledging you are with me. We're together, we're communing together, we're communicating. Um, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a nerdy example. Someone in first ser service yelled out heresy when I gave this example. Uh, I think they were teasing me, but I'm gonna give you an example from fiction, okay? Uh, that's why they screamed out, heretical! Uh, it's a, it's a story from fiction, from a book, uh, but I, I enjoy reading fiction, and I think sometimes it gives me, it, you know, it gives you visuals to think about spiritual things in a different way. And so, if you have ever read, if there's any fiction nerds in the room, I enjoyed the series uh, Aragon. Has anybody read that? No? Okay, a few of you. Uh, friends in the room. Okay, the premise of this series is called the Inheritance Series, but it's about, you know, a dragon and dragon riders, okay? So uh, here we go. Let me give you this example. And so the premise of this book series is that there's these dragons that exist, and they do have riders that they're supposed to be matched with. But these eggs can exist, these dragon eggs can exist for thousands of years because they haven't found the worthy rider yet, okay? <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, and so, uh, in this story, this egg that had been taken care of and people are protecting it until it finds its match, it comes across this young man, this adolescent teen, and it finds its worthy writer. And this is a boy that's going to grow up and, and, and take down evil. And so, finally, this boy gets this egg, and this egg cracks and the dragon, and they grow together. And what you discover in the book is that they can hear each other's thoughts, so they can communicate, okay? And... Uh, it doesn't say it like this in the book. In the movie, it's a line they put in the movie because you have to kind of rush things forward in a movie. But anyway, the point is, when Sapphira, the dragon, can communicate with her writer for the first time, she says, I have waited a thousand years to hear your thoughts. And when I read that, it made me think, wow, we serve an eternal God 
that has existed out, I mean, he is outside of time. We can't even fathom what that means. But even if we just track from the existence of this earth and him creating humans because he wanted to be in a relationship with us, when you think about that and you think through all the spans of thousands of years, of centuries, this is your moment that you are on this earth with an opportunity to commune with the God of the universe. And just this idea that God has been waiting thousands of years to be able to communicate with you, to commune with you, and more importantly, us with him. I think that is one of the most spectacular things about Christianity, is that we do, we believe in a God that wants to be personal, that wants to speak with us. And so you have this opportunity to commune throughout your day with the creator God who created you for a purpose, who wants to partner with you to see his plan be unveiled on this earth. That is, I think, just absolutely amazing. And so we should not take for granted this opportunity, this directive from scripture to pray continually, stay in God's presence, keep him on our minds. All right, verse 18. No matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Always be thankful. Let's think about that a little bit. It doesn't mean we have to give thanks for every circumstance, but in every circumstance, we can find things to be thankful for. So what I mean by that, let me give you this example. If I get the flu, I don't have to be thankful for the flu. I don't have to be like, God, thank you for this virus that's ravaging my body right now. I don't have to be thankful for the flu, but I can find in my circumstance of having the flu, I can find things to be thankful for. I am thankful I have a bed to lay in while I am sick with flu. I'm thankful to have someone who checks on me to make sure that I'm still living and breathing. I'm thankful that all I have to do is that sick shuffle. You know, when you're not feeling well, you just, you can't stand up straight when you don't feel good. You just can't. So you kind of shuffle. I'm so grateful that when I'm sick, all I have to do is get a cup, do the sick shuffle to the fridge, get the strength to lift my arm and push that lever in and clean filtered water comes out and fills my cup. I'm grateful for that. I don't, when I have the flu, I don't have to go outside, build a fire, find a water source, take a bucket, scoop up water to said fire, boil the water, wait for it to cool before I can drink that water that will help my body stay hydrated while I'm sick. I'm thankful for that. And so, you know, when it says always be thankful, there are going to be hard things that you go through, hard things you experience. And it's not that you have to be grateful for that hard thing, but we can find things in it to thank God about. Uh, the interest, one of the fascinating things about gratitude is that the studies that they have found that someone who practices gratitude, that, that kind of retrains their brain to be someone that's like, I'm going to be thankful, I'm going to be grateful, I'm going to practice this principle, they've, they've found all kinds of physical benefits from it. I'm sure this is not unknown information, uh, but it 
improves your physical health, it improves sleep, it improves your mood, it boosts your immunity. They've even had studies where they've seen a decrease in the side effects of chronic pain and the risk of disease for people that have practiced this, this spiritual principle of gratitude. It improves your mental health. It can decrease depression and anxiety, create stronger social bonds. It, it retrains your brain to be one that's more resilient because it's teaching you to have a solution-oriented um, approach to problems rather than a victim mentality. And so there's all sorts of actual physical and, and mental benefits that we see come from the spiritual principle of gratitude. But more important than that is simply that we are practicing obedience to something Christ has asked us to do. That he has said, we are his people, and as my people, as my partners on this earth, you are to be a thankful people, a grateful people, no matter what you go through, that we are, we are always uh, practicing and pursuing joy and thankfulness and prayer. We'll have one more um, quote from Spurgeon here, and it says, turn this book over, talking about the Bible, turn this book over and see if there be any precept that the Lord has given you in which he has said, groan in the Lord always. And again, I say groan. You may groan if you like. You have Christian liberty for that. But at the same time, do believe that you have a larger liberty to rejoice, for so it is put before you in the scriptures. And let's just acknowledge that there are so many things that, it, that are easy to come up with to be grateful for in our country. So many things. We do not have a perfect country. This is not saying there is not sin and many difficulties. But just in the context of history and time and places, even just the things I've mentioned, that we have access to clean water in our homes. We have electricity. I can go to the store. I have done nothing to harvest any of that food, but I can just walk into a store and I can fill my cart and I go home and I have food to eat. There are so many things that it should not be difficult for us to come up with lists and lists of things to be grateful for. Uh, but just one thing I want to just mention is that there is a, a deeper thing of gratitude that can happen, not just the easy things we can list. I have shoes, I have a bed, I have you know family. But there's something that takes place when you've gone through something difficult, things that you think, gosh, that almost took me out, that almost killed me, I would never want to go through that again. But there are times when you, years go by, time goes by, and you look back on those things, and you realize you're even grateful for the hardships. Because you see how you grew or what came out of it that you could have never gotten there without that trial. And so it's, it's like this amazing, beautiful thing that, that cannot really be taken from you when you get to that point too where you're looking back and you're like oh my goodness I can see I can see through that horrible time that awful time that I had to go through but I see things that I am actually grateful for now now that I'm looking back on it and that's not something you can force and I'm certainly not saying if you're here this morning and you're in a time of grieving there is space for grieving we see that in scripture uh so this is not to like get over your grief and just be thankful for it. I don't mean that. I'm, I'm just simply saying there are times you may look back on difficult things you've gone through and you're able to even have gratitude for those things. A very um, popular example of this is Corey Ten Boom. She, was, she and her and her sister went through the Holocaust and, and she survived it, but she you know, has a book and all kinds of things. 
And if you read her story, then you'll know this example, but she mentioned that her and her sister, when they, would be, when they were in the concentration camp, her sister Betsy would constantly be asking her, like, what are we grateful for? Let's, let's be grateful. And she's like, grateful? What in the world? But her sister would push her and she'd say, okay, well, what about we're together? So many families are all split up and we have each other. We can be grateful for that. And, and Corey was like, okay, I can be grateful for that. And then her sister would, you know, each night would be like, well, give me something else that we're grateful for. And, and they said, well, they didn't search our bags that much, and so our Bible got through, so we have our Bible, so we're grateful for our Bible. And they would go through things, but Corey said, I was insistent that I could not thank God for the fleas that were in the, the place that they slept. There were horrific fleas that would just torment them all night long. And if you have ever had a flea infestation, you know how awful that is. I mean, the tiniest little thing you can't see, I mean, it's like it bit your leg off. I mean, it's, it's tough. But she, said, she realized years later, she said, as I, uh, hearing other people's stories that also survived this horrible time, she said, we were not as abused as some of the other people, of some of the other women in these camps. And she said, I realized later, and can't come to find out, that the Nazis would not go in their rooms that often because of the fleas. The fleas were so bad that they wouldn't want to deal with that. And so she said, years later, even the thing that was one of the most horrible things, I came to appreciate because I didn't realize the fleas were protecting us on a small scale for some of the other atrocities and abuse that would take place for women in those places. So I say this just as an encouragement even the difficult things you go through, there, there will be a time and you can ask the Holy Spirit, help me see, help me see what there is to be grateful for in, in that circumstance. How, how have you protected me? How have you grown me in this time? So uh, very simple, short directives, but the implications are massive to live these out. Always be joyful, always pray, always be thankful. Let's stand. We have five minutes left, and I want you to take two minutes, three minutes, turn to someone next to you, you can grab your spouse, you can grab a friend, you can make a little friend circle, tell that someone five things you are grateful for. If you can make it something harder, like we can all list shoes, clothes, food, good, but maybe throw one in there that someone wouldn't expect. Take five minutes. All right, let's wrap it up for just a minute. If you didn't get through your five, you can finish, but let me close in prayer so we can release our, our online viewers. I hope you're typing in the chat box if you have five things. Let me just finish with this. Give me a second. Hold up. You can finish your five in just a minute. Let me just say before we pray, your challenge in small group this week or just at home with your family if, if you're not in a small group, although I encourage you to join one, but here, here's your challenge. Uh, Let's each day this week, let's list three things we're grateful for. If you're in a family, you can start a text thread with your family and just everyone post three things. Don't, don't repeat the same things from the day before. Same three. Also, Try to think of new things. Or just in a friend group, uh, whoever you want to participate with this with. Uh, and then also, let's maybe try setting a reminder in your phone. Our small group will do this occasionally. We'll say, set your alarm for three or four times that day just to go off. And it's a moment when you're at work, you're at school, wherever you are, you stop and you think, okay, God, I'm going to stop right now and I'm just going to give this moment to you. I'm acknowledging 
that we're, we're, we're together, we're in this together. I'm your partner, you're my partner. And I'm gonna stop and take two seconds just to, to, to think about you, to listen, to ask for wisdom. And having, having a reminder that goes off a few times a day is a good thing to stop us in our busyness as we kind of try to practice this discipline of communing with God all throughout the day. So let's finish in prayer. Holy Spirit, we thank you, God. We are grateful for the gift of your son. Thank you, God. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you that even when I am imperfect and fail and sin and mess up, I can wake up and know your mercy is new every day. And I don't want to take that for granted, but I'm so grateful that you are so Thank you, God, for the gift of your son. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is with us. Thank you for this community. Thank you for our families. Thank you for friendship that pushes us and encourages Thank you, God. We want to be identified as your people by our thankful hearts, by our, our, our spirit of gratitude, by our decision to pursue joy. That even when we go through hard things, scary things, difficult things, we are a people that can hold a continual gladness in our hearts because of grace. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Amen.